and uh, since all the attendees are our uh, um, routine attendees i would say uh, or periodic attendees i would skip the introduction part and will directly go to today's topic which is uh, how to add value to healthcare and i want to give you a little bit of prologue why i chose this topic and then uh, we'll go for the case and then we'll have uh, uh, our attendees share their thoughts so when i when i started my training uh, we were so much hardwired for evidence based medicine where whatever we do we try to find scientific evidence for it and try to analyze it to the very best possible uh, scenario which is applicable to that particular case and then you apply uh, that that form of medicine so it was it was evidence based medicine in true sense uh, sometimes it sounded very idiotic but we still did it because uh, we played by the books and uh, i came back to india and uh, it certainly seems to be that uh, not any particular mode of so called based medicine is uh, the way to go i think that uh, there has to be a fair balance of everything that we have got in terms of evidence in terms of what is common sense what is experience and what not so i heard the term called eminence based medicine where you try to learn from what your seniors have done and gain experience from them and then try to incorporate those and uh, obviously if that conflicts with the evidence then then you have to come up with a middle ground but uh, i did realize that uh, in india we are a little bit less rigid in terms of following that evidence based medicine now apart from evidence and eminence based medicine in the last decade or so there has been this new thought it's not new in any sense but it is picking up in the last decade or so the so called value based medicine and essentially what it means is when you when, when we talk about patient centric healthcare healthcare then in that's why whatever we provide in terms of uh, therapeutics or procedure or what not there has to be a perceived value to the patient whom we are providing if the patient or the recipient of the therapy does not perceive value then no matter what evidence or what eminence we are applying that may not be that that advantageous as to speak so this whole value based medicine has uh, crept in in the last decade or so and if we think more about it it does not conflict with our current evidence or eminence based medicine it essentially just an extension of that i will share with you a, a very uh, funny anecdote or curious anecdote ripatha which is a pcs canine inhibitor uh that drug as we all know is uh, used for uh, hyperlipidemia and uh, it is there to uh, for primary or secondary prevention of ascvd the drug is very costly very costly means it is cost prohibitive cost prohibitive even in markets like us and europe so ripatha came up with evidence that it does help in the outcome and what not but still it was not enough so recently uh, this whole thought came that if you are giving such a costly drug to the patient patient perceive value so if patient gets a event while being on that drug then what happens then the whole value structure fails so ripatha came up with this so called deal as to speak that if some patient who is on ripatha gets a ascvd event 
then whatever that patient has paid for Ripatha up to that day, Ripatha gives a 100% rebate to that. So that at least patient does not get a financial burden of that costly medication that is giving. So that was one a change that an example that I gave you in terms of uh, adding value to patient's perception. Now, we may agree or disagree with it, but the idea remains constant, which is how to add value or at least perceived value to our patients. And it doesn't have to be big events like acute MI and whatnot. We are talking about routine uh, encounters. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. There was a patient who came to my OPD with chest pain uh, that happened one day before. Currently asymptomatic, he just thought, let me check, check it out. He came to me, I thought it was angina, ECG echo is normal, the guy is currently asymptomatic. His troponin is hugely positive. He's otherwise stable, he's fine. He's like, doc, I don't have any problem. So I gave him some medications in the OPD, gave him a shot of uh, low molecular weight heparin, told him to get admitted in the ICU for observation. And as a good patient, he followed whatever I said. He went to the ICU. He's admitted there. Now in the ICU, his oxygen is fine, so he's not on oxygen. His blood pressure is slightly on the lower side. They're not giving him any infusions. He already got a low molecular weight, so he doesn't need an infusion that way. So he's just sitting in the ICU chilling. And he's thinking that probably my doctor knows better. That is why he kept me in the ICU. But he's not able to perceive the value of why he's in the ICU when he's otherwise feeling okay. He doesn't have any problem. I'm not giving him any IV, IV drug, which is in a perception that he's getting treated. I'm not putting a mask or oxygen on him, which is the quintessential treatment in ICU. Just for blood pressure check every hour, he's not able to perceive that value that I have told him that you be in the ICU. I'm practicing evidence-based medicine. I'm practicing what is correct for him but I'm not able to, or my patient is not able to perceive that value. So there are lots, lots such interactions which we have in our daily life where it becomes very difficult to add that value provided we think about it. A lot of the times we think that our evidence-based medicine is good enough or our experience-based medicine is good enough and if we are doing things right, we don't have to think more about it. And that is what I want to challenge. I think we should talk more about it. We should think more about it. So that how to add value to our patient perception. So with that prologue, I'm going to add today's case. And in today's discussion, we can off the off the record of what we do. So Pranit, here is the case. This patient I saw last month. So he's a 62-year-old male. He came for routine follow-up. He lives in Nizamabad, which you know is about 200 kilometers from here. He's asymptomatic on the index follow-up. The way I know him is because last year he got admitted under me. He had an evolved inferior volume I at that time. And I did a late PCI, kind of a rescue PCI on him. Uh, his LV recovered otherwise. He didn't have any other problem. He has got uh, no comorbidities as to speak. And uh, he's, he's otherwise uh, pretty good. I saw him three months ago. And at that time I got his labs and echo and everything checked. And that was okay. He didn't have any problem. So this time he came after three months follow-up. This is his one-year anniversary of the disease. And this time I didn't do any investigation because three months ago investigations were okay. So he comes to me. He says, Doc, I'm feeling fine. I'm okay. I'm taking all the medications regularly. He checks out in terms of any side effects or anything. That is all fine. So 
I essentially tell him that uh, you know you are stable, doing fine. Go home, continue some medications. So the interaction pretty much lasts for three four minutes. Now what I'm thinking is this is a guy who came from Nizamabad to see me. Uh, he takes a bus to come here, which is about four or five hours uh, on the bus. He comes and sees me, and for obvious reasons, I'm not or any doctor is not directly accessible. They typically wait for an hour or two with the registration and whatnot. By the time they go home, it's another five hours. So total, they have spent 13, 14 hours to see me for a five minute, less than five minutes interaction where I say everything is fine, go home. And I'm thinking whether this patient got the value that he perceived, that he thought he's going to get. So, Pranit, my question to you is, in this particular patient, and please feel free to take other examples, how to add value to the care that you are providing? And it is with regard to the patient's perception for the value, uh, patient's perception of the value for the effort that he put in to get that health care. Uh, so, Pranit, take it from you. Yeah, good evening, everyone. So, uh, definitely a routine uh, scenario, I know. Uh, I'll uh, give my perspective of how I see my patients and probably add it to your case as well. I believe that uh, every um, doctor interaction uh, is an experience uh, which I think and uh, that experience is something which he remembers. And I want uh, that experience to be as uh, fruitful or value-added as I see. So what I do in addition to what you already mentioned, try to make that experience comfortable where I also add in some general uh, open-ended questions in the sense, how are you doing, how are things uh, back home and uh, other things. Uh, in addition to the uh, specific questions in relation to cardiovascular system, I also talk about the daily uh, essential things uh, kind of a thing where you, uh, are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Your appetite is okay. Your bowel and bladder movements are okay. And uh, uh, how is everything? And uh, give him an open question. Is there anything else that you would like to ask, or how do you look into it? Uh, this way, uh, I most of the things which I feel is uh, we are in a rush, and I feel uh, we don't give enough time for the patients to get his questions answered. That is where I think if we can uh, give him an opportunity to answer all his questions, whichever he has. Probably in that way, the uh, his visit, uh, I believe, is uh, kind of makes any sense. I also encourage my patients to get their questions noted uh, and uh, ask them in their visit because most of them tend to forget their questions and they feel that they forgot and uh, wish they would have asked. So these are two things which uh, I encourage so that uh, this is what my way of uh, giving them value. Coming to the question that you asked about this patient who had an evolved interval, am I coming for follow-up? Uh, other than uh, optimizing medications, which he's already using, uh, so-called uh, reaching the targets, educating him about uh, what are the targets that he needs to do into this thing. Probably one thing I can add is um, suggesting him about the vaccination uh, because he has an ACVD about the vaccination for the influenza, pneumococcal, and the current uh, COVID-19 vaccination to prevent secondary infections and um, give him some uh, education or importance of uh, secondary prevention of ASCVD. Uh, this is what um, I can uh, think of uh, it right now. Thank you so much, Pranit. Um, so, 
what you said in terms of like you know we are all in rush and uh, so many times we don't know uh, or we are not able to so called add value or what not uh, you know i gave an example of this particular patient who has certainly put in extra effort but when the patient comes to your opd you don't know the kind of effort that patient has has put in so uh, the question here is uh, rather than being selective for few particular patients is there a way we can systematize our clinic visits or their opd visits so that like like a patient seeing a dietitian on routine or patient seeing some somebody else on routine so that they think some value is added so let me continue this discussion i will ask uh, my other attendees uh, to share their thoughts dr praveen you heard me uh, asking about how to add value to patient's uh, experience uh if you don't mind sharing your thoughts you can take any patient scenario or the one that i gave you dr praveen if you could unmute yourself and uh, good evening uh, everyone uh, uh, sir uh, from my perspective what i would uh, think is uh, the whatever the patient whoever is coming in search of a doctor uh, uh the experience whatever he feels uh, during that uh, interaction with the doctor uh, carries a uh, lot of uh, uh, effect uh, on the uh, uh, subsequent uh, visits so even uh, we uh, do not know how much effort he has kept to come uh, for that particular visit we should be uh, what you call alerting uh, few minutes to interact with him even if he says everything is fine uh, uh, at that particular visit uh, say for example uh, we have seen a case of uh, acute uh, mi he underwent uh, uh, primary pci and he is under follow up or he is uh, receiving medications under rgsv which uh, after one year uh, he would be not receiving uh, the medication Uh, which are uh, provided free for him i am saying from the government perspective so after uh, one year uh, he has to uh, spend money from his pocket so uh, until that particular point of time he has received the medications free which are being paid uh, by the government and then uh, the next uh, visit he should be paying himself so uh, knowing the your patient uh, uh, what you call uh, as uh, uh, the visits uh, go on is uh, very important probably because uh, they uh, uh, the financial burden uh, he might be the only breadwinner of the family uh, 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 the financial burden uh, that would be taking uh, for the medication he has to purchase that all should be known and uh, uh if we could see any other alternative uh, that uh, he can visit a uh, what you call nearby hospital just uh, for uh, routine medications follow up that we should be able to see uh, i would be doing the same thing because uh, if the same patient is coming uh, along uh, a distance of 300 kilometers to see me at uh, usmania i would uh, say them uh, to have the same medications at the nearby government hospital only in case of emergency they can contact me and uh, uh, come in wise so that they can save the money uh, in transport for the medications to purchase at them uh, similarly uh, another case scenario which we face the issues is those patients who are on prosthetic walls uh, they come 
for the what you call a follow up every one month just to have ptinr value uh, this is again from the usmania perspective i am saying uh, they just come in the morning uh, for the ptinr they <clears throat> get the test done at the ge department uh, they bring the value and uh, <clears throat> they will be having only two or three medications acitrom uh, digoxin or anything <clears throat> no. after that uh, we'll just see the value we'll adjust them and they will go away but they will be coming for only for the test uh, uh, traveling a kilometer of almost all uh, uh, 200 300 kilometers the uh, just based upon the ptinr value will be adjusting the dosage but we will not emphasize what is the cause for the decrease of inr value or why it has been increased is it just a what you call overestimated value or a underestimated value whether there is any drug interactions or not most of them because digoxin and amiodarone can also cause the change in the inr values but uh, uh, in subsequent visits if the patient lands up in trouble and come then we think that we should have uh, seen that particular uh, drug interaction the third scenario would be a rheumatic heart disease patients who come with uh, for the penicillin prophylaxis just for the white uh, color injection which we call uh, they come from a long distance and uh, after the injection they will be going most of the patients will be uh, coming uh, with complaints of uh, pain in the gluteal region and all that so allotting time for the patient knowing our patients and uh, uh, seeing their problems uh, allotting some more time would be beneficial sir i think uh, that would be my take home so probably few things you mentioned i think those are fascinating and at least uh, uh, one of them is new for me so i did not know that arogishri patient gets medicines only for one year after that they pay out of their pocket uh that's a good information to know at least to me and if anybody who didn't know this information before uh so that that can be arranged and of course that that way you add value because you know something that either patient does not know or maybe some other doctor does not know so when patient comes to you getting that knowledge itself certainly is a value addition there is there is no doubts about it and one thing that you mentioned about long distance patients seeing their local doctors so i'm guilty of that there are times when i see these kind of patients whom i personally feel that if i'm not adding much value then i myself tell them that you know you coming and seeing me particularly for this i'm not adding as much value uh, an incremental value compared to a local doctor near your town so it may be better for you to see them three monthly that you need and then maybe come come and see me once a year or just do a video call or something like that or come as needed basis so that way uh i can justify uh my face value to him so those are important and then the third one about ptinr that you mentioned i remember in us we used to have coumadin clinics also in the same aspect that you realize for a patient to visit a doctor only for inr assessment was probably not adding enough value so they had a nurse run coumadin clinic or warfarin clinic where patient would directly interact with the nurse over the phone or what not so that they get the value worth from the patient from the nurse and not spend that much time energy and money coming to a doctor just for that inr value in india if we can have something like that 
Or if we can have a home-based assessment, something like, you know, you have a home device or something which patient can just get a check, which is accurate, most important. And then that value can be discussed with a nurse or with somebody or a doctor over the phone. So that way, uh, appropriate value is added for appropriate therapy rather than them coming all the way to the doctor's office and uh, and spending all the time and energy. I can imagine it's not it's not easy. These patients, they spend a lot of time, energy, effort, sometimes wait for doctor for three hours just to just to say that, you know, your warfarin is okay and take the same dose. So I concur a lot of what you said, and I think that does give us uh, discussion points. Uh, let me get forward uh, with my attendees. Dr. Shankar, if you could share your thoughts on this, I'm sure that you have far more patient experiences like this to share than us, uh, particularly in the physician world. This is very important, how to add value to the patients. Dr. Shankar, if you could share your thoughts, please. Good evening. Uh, good evening to all. Uh, thanks uh, uh, to Dr. Anup Agarwal for giving me this opportunity to share with my thoughts uh, uh, on this, uh, to this uh, August audience. Uh, earlier, uh, doctors, earlier, the doctors and patients were uh, treated as a god and devotees. That relation between the doctor and the patient was a god and devotee. But now, Almost uh, there is a uproar in the society that uh, the, medi the medical facilities have become commercialized. So a good physician, he treats a disease. A great physician treats the patient who has a disease. William Osler's words, these are. So as a great physician, we have to think of how best we can provide value-based care with the lower cost so that we will be again treated as a God. We will be considered, we will be regarded as equal to God. Vaidyo Narayano Hari is the ancient epics they tell us. So how best we can provide this value-based care with the lowest cost? Few few points I want to Oh, I'm, which have come to my mind. One is, uh, in this pandemic uh, era, every physician has got an experience of teleconsultation or virtual consultation. So, we can uh, save time of both the patient and ourselves also. When we are busy in the clinic also, so if you give him an appointment to see him uh, on uh, mobile uh, in the evening, 5, five o'clock, 7, 7 o'clock or the 8 o'clock. So we can uh, speak to him at a leisure, uh, leisurely basis. Why I am telling, nowadays, the smartphone is available with the, even a common man. The mobile phones are more than the toilets in India. 1.3 billion population of India has got 1.5 billion connections of mobile mobile connections and 1.7 mobile pieces in India. This is the world's Guinness Book of World Records. So, we have to use the, the modern system of uh, uh, the modern gadgets to provide teleconsultation 
or virtual consultation is one one point uh, it has come to my mind because the smartphone is available with anybody even if the patient does not know how to operate it the schools malls halls everybody everything is closed now everybody is at home the children students are at home they they are well versed with the new gadgets so they they will better operate uh, this uh, smartphone and uh, they can reach the doctor concern and the second thing is in the value based uh, care we have to provide some uh, some uh, managers so that uh, they will discuss regarding the disease regarding the health package and all these things the economics uh, how best we can help them and third one is even in our diabetic clinic also we will have diabetic educators so dietitians will be there so likewise if we if we can uh, get access to the dietitian also who explains the the friendly diet for the uh, improvement of his health and at the same time a social worker team here in our jagitial we have appointed arogya rakshak they will take care of our health so there are service volunteers see because i belong to one organization seva bharati it's a service organization of rss so we have provided arogya rakshak here they will take care of during the pandemic they worked a lot so these health uh, this health volunteers they will guide the patients they, they will they will consult the doctors they will consult the lab uh, lab people they will consult with the ultrasound people they will consult the radiology labs and all so and they will bargain for a better price uh, to get it done at a lower price and third one is the, the approval of the patients is a costly medicine the doctors are writing even at one fourth of the price these drugs are available in the jan aushadi they are so called famous as modi shops so where we can get the generic drugs and we can show it to the health healthcare workers or health primary healthcare physician whether it is a good company or not whether it works or not so even uh, i am surprised to know the, the drugs like janovia which costs more than 50 rupees in the market is available in the janaushadi at a cheaper price so uh, i suggest my patients to purchase janaushadi or generic drugs and uh, one more suggestion to the corporate sector because corporate sector is already they have been doing a lot of uh, service by uh, telemedicine i know dr somrajul sir here uh, dr krishnamrajul sir and others they have uh, through care foundation and bairaju foundation they covered more than 200 villages uh, near bimavaram and they provide very very good health care 
so here also the corporate sector at least if not providing this uh, uh, mega health camps are taking care of the patients there in the by lot in the villages at least the time with the local care local primary care physician and uh, so that the primary care physician is a liaison officer a liaison between uh, corporate and uh, patient so that uh, patient will get a value based uh, health care and lastly uh, i suggest most of the patients they pay from their pocket but uh, health insurance even uh, health insurance facilities are there most of the patients they don't know at least as a social worker or a nurse care manager or anybody as a primary care physician we should help how best he can get health care insurance though i am 65 years 65 plus i am not allowed any insurance company to join in so during the pandemic area pandemic era if i get the covid infection i have to shut down around 20 lakhs some few people few patients were paid in my area so for that i consulted one star health insurance they they allowed me to join in their health insurance though i am 65 plus so that's way so that way we can uh, uh, use utilize the services of health insurance to get the cost come down to patient and lastly this is quite important uh, just now i told uh, that swami vekananda also told that there are two things before us one is service and then is the sacrifice so a doctor is vaidyo narayano hari when he is equal to god he has to give some service to our patients barefoot doctor his philosophy is there in china where the qualified doctor they go on a bicycle to each house and find out what the disease is earlier also 40 years back we used to have malaria workers they used to come and enquire now it was also so many systems are there but they are not working they are almost failed only they are working for only salary but not service so we should conduct some mega health camps with a full equipment at least with ultrasound and portable x-ray machine uh, good labs and with the paraphernalia along with the a doctor's team and we could go if we go to the villages or headquarters also we can provide service to them at the same time we can give suggestions to our own patients those who have attended our own corporates so they are not able to attend our again coming to hyderabad it's a problem to them just now dr praveen has enumerated so many examples so to fill this gap i request the corporate doctors to come along with the paraphernalia and a good healthcare team and provide services dr somrajul sir is 
uh, he is known for that he is felicitated even satisai uh, as a best doctor with a lifetime achievement award he got padma shri also and one more thing i will tell and stop dr apj abdul kalam i attended a meeting of iih and iim that is indian academy of neurology in delhi conducted by dr mahindra tan there uh, dr apj abdul kalam former uh, president no more now he is a late so he attended that meeting as a chief guest and uh, at the end of his speech he asked for 5 minutes at least to extend for his speech so organizers allowed him he told about dr somaraju sir he is an example of doctors so i am proud to be his student because i probably dr somaraju sir knows or not i don't know but uh, this to the gathering of more than 1000 neurophysicians and the national and international speakers there dr apj abdul kalam lauded dr somaraju sir for his uh, devotion and uh, for his dedication to the medical fraternity so with this i close uh, so probably i have given my own uh, thought process thank you thank you anup agarwal thank you thank you so much dr shankar and i think uh, certainly uh, their words of wisdom uh, i'm muting you so that we don't get any cross noise uh, and uh, as we were as i started by saying that because the topic is a little bit off beat we are certainly going to have some tangentiality so for the sake of discussion we'll discuss about so one thing is adding value to a patient experience who came to see you and the other thing is adding value to a community as a healthcare provider and i think those are different topics and certainly we can talk about how to add value to your community how to add value to your society as doctor uh will will restrict our discussion to how to add value to a patient who comes to your opd and in terms of how to get that i'm i'm reminded of uh, what happens in villages where because there is no specialist culture where there is one doctor who pretty much is a neurologist and a physician and a cardiologist and everybody so there it is quite a common uh, view where the entire family comes and the doctor sees the husband the wife the uncle the the grandfather and the kids one by one so that way for their time the doctor adds value by pretty much seeing every single uh, person of the family something something akin of this what i am thinking is a patient comes to us and patient typically come with their own attendants and there is a 62 year old guy with a mai i certainly can talk if he comes with his son about primary prevention of asvd to his son and for that the son doesn't need to be registered or pay me or anything that's a, that's a gesture that i can show just so that there is added value to the index patient's uh, uh, visit similarly uh, dr shankar mentioned about uh, the staff ancillary help that we can provide to the patient in terms of social worker dietitian or what not i never thought of asking patients for getting a health insurance after the event i don't think i have ever discussed that this is something that i'm thinking that why i never did it i probably should start discussing it now that when a patient comes to me who for his index procedure paid out of his pocket to talk to him that hey why are you not taking health insurance and how can i help to get you the health insurance 
Similarly, I also think that educational material, either verbally or giving a physical handout that person can take home, read, study, all those kind of things, or, or people whom you have in the OPD who can teach them how to take their blood pressure at home, uh, what kind of exercises they can do, and all those kind of things. I think they all come as a part of this uh, uh, patient experience. And of course, what Dr. Shankar also mentioned, I'm just summarizing what he said, uh, to tell them where to find cheap medications and our own knowledge base to tell the patients that which brands are reputable which you can take and which brands or which names probably are less reliable so even if they are cheap, uh, patients can avoid them. So even dispersing that knowledge to the patient certainly adds uh, value to it. I'm going to continue the discussion uh, with uh, more, some more thought process. Dr. Srinivas, if I can have your thoughts of how you add value to the patient who comes to your OPD, who otherwise is not having an MI where you are diagnosing ECG, who is otherwise fine, where the OPD visit would, would pretty much finish in two minutes. How do you add value to your patient's visit? Dr. Srinivas. I think uh, Dr. Shankar has already touched upon the subject elaborately, but in addition to what he has already discussed, uh, since it's been one year since he had an acute coronary syndrome, probably we can cut down on dual antiplatelets. Uh, and depending on the bleeding risk or uh, further thrombotic risk, we can give him uh, one antiplatelet. And the dose of statins also we can cut down. And uh, even though he doesn't have symptoms, we should uh, still find out about his habits like uh, intake of alcohol, habits like smoking, his dietary habits, and then help him with the dietitian's consultation and then uh, future events we, we should prevent for that patient and yes, as suggested uh, health insurance, so we should insist if they don't have it, then they should probably go in for a health insurance rather than having it little later uh, because once they cross 65, I, 70, I, I don't think they get a health insurance. So if at all... Uh, they plan, they should plan a little early, otherwise uh, probably a little later, uh, even health insurance also, they wouldn't be able to access it uh, if they go in for insurance a little later in life. Yeah, that's all. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, I also wanted to share, so one of my seniors from AIMS who currently runs a primary care uh, office uh, in Gurgaon and uh, Delhi NCR region, he was sharing with me how he adds value. He was supposed to join us for today's visit, for, some, for today's discussion. For some reason, he didn't. So he used to share with me that, Anup, the way we add value is that, let's say if a kid comes for his five-year vaccination, typically kid does not walk in alone. Typically, he or she comes with uh, his parents. So any kid who comes for vaccination gets a, gets a growth chart tabulated, gets future vaccination uh, table made. Every person who accompanies him gets a free blood pressure check. And uh, if, if things be right and if they are free, they even get a random sugar check and whatnot. So what he says is these are his ways how he adds value. And the same thing goes for the other way around. If a, if an adult comes for checkup with his kid, just accompanying, then the kid gets a growth chart documented and uh, their vaccination schedule documented just without asking. That's like, uh, that's like a reflex thing that they do. 
to so-called add value in patient's care. And of course, with ancillary staff, who can educate them about uh, what else. Other, other very important thing, this is something, and Dr. Somaraju has been quoted multiple times. I'm quoting him one more time. Uh, I have quoted multiple others as well, so at least I'm not biased to one person. Uh, so I remember one time where I was presenting a patient to Somaraju sir, and uh, it, it was an open and shut case. All Somaraju sir had to do was say hi to him, and that was pretty much it. it I, I thought, uh, like, you know, what more value is going to be added? I'm talking about three some years before. And the whole discussion goes towards what car you drive and what time you drive. Do you drive or do your driver drive? And it all comes down to accident prevention and uh, whatnot. And then you realize that even that is pretty important for a patient's health care because, God forbid, if he gets an accident because of all this, what would our excellent heart health would do to him? So as a cardiologist, why not talking about accident prevention or suicide prevention or whatnot for that matter? Of course, time is a constraint. We can talk about all this in theory, but how to put it in perspective, how to have a systematic way so that when patients come, they automatically become a beneficiary of this kind of value addition. So uh, having said that, I open the discussion for anybody who has got any thoughts or questions or anything uh, to add. Please unmute yourself and share your thoughts. Uh, Praveen, you have something to add? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I have oh. something to add, sir. Uh, can please I speak, sir? Yes, please go ahead. Uh, sir, uh, the other uh, things uh, for the patients who come from a long distance and uh, they're having the financial constraints, or uh, they need a, a particular doctor in case of uh, some need. Say, for example, the present uh, COVID vaccination, the uh, concerns regarding the stoppage of the antiplatelets and all that. Say, for example, one patient uh, tries to call uh, one of us, and we, we might be engaged in some of the cases. So most of the times, the, they call us uh, three, four times, and they think uh, we are busy. Uh, we should be having what you call one facility where uh, uh, we can, uh, they can leave a voice message that uh, doctor and so and so I'm calling regarding this one. Whenever you are free, uh, what you call, uh, please uh, clarify my doubt. Uh, that would be a helpful for them and uh, that we are uh, uh, there uh, uh, to clarify them. Uh, some of them will be keeping the WhatsApp messages, but most of the time, uh, we, what you call in our busy schedule, we'll be uh, not uh, uh, viewing the messages. So voice message are, uh, would be fine. And uh, if we uh, give our contact number, uh, say, for example, if we have any assistant, uh, those patients who are on regular follow-up and are coming from a long distance, just uh, uh, having a conversation with them two days before their prior visit, uh, uh, would uh, ensure that we are also uh, concerned regarding their uh, uh, well-being. That is what I want to say. Perfect. Thank you so much, uh, Praveen. And I think that some of this goes to uh, our own principles in terms of how we want to manage our OPD. Like I, I by principle, do not want to uh, entertain unsolicited patient phone calls. I just don't want to no matter whether whether what kind of scenario it is what time of the day it is i don't want un, i don't want unsolicited patients phone call 
But at the same time, I agree with you that patients need to have a way to reach out to you. If they don't have a way to reach out to you, that patient-doctor relationship is broken. So what I have found out a middle ground is I give them a WhatsApp number. That WhatsApp number does not have an incoming facility. That WhatsApp number only has a WhatsApp facility. And I tell them if you have any query, either you WhatsApp me there, and I understand there are many patients who cannot type, so I teach them how to record their message on, on WhatsApp and send it to me. So it's almost like that voicemail that you were, uh, or voice message that you're talking about, that rather than typing their message, they just put up the audio button, they say whatever they want to say, and then it comes to me as a message, which I check it later whenever I'm free. So uh, doctors who are willing to take unsolicited patients' phone call, good for them, they should, they should continue to do it. Uh, I find it too much interruptive in my daily practice, so I have established this kind of channel. I agree with you that some sort of channel needs to be there. If there is no channel, the moment patient leaves your OPD, if he or she does not know how to contact you, I think that's a, that's a disservice that we are doing. But having said that, keeping your phone line open 24-7, personal phone line open 24-7, that I think is too intrusive, at least for me, so I don't do that. Uh, anyone else has got any other thoughts before uh, I ask Dr. Somaraju to share uh, his opinion? Any questions or any thoughts about this thing? Dr. Shankar? Uh, this, is, uh, this concept is uh, very new and it is very much fascinating to me. Uh, one uh, thing I want to tell and uh, we are just uh, on this platform, we are coming together and meeting together. It's a beginning uh, and uh, it is a valuable experience for me. If you work together for the value-based care, it will definitely bring about success and it closes the gap between the patient and the doctor and the doctor will be again considered as a Vaidyo Narayana Hari is equal to God. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. I will share two more anecdotes and then we'll move to Dr. Somaraju for his comments. So I was, I was amazed to know that even in tertiary hospitals in U.S. or universities in U.S., they still have midwives when it comes to obstetrics care. And a lot of patients, they get treated by midwives. So they are in the hospital. They are employed by the hospital. They are not doctors. They are your traditional rural midwives. And I always thought that, okay, even if in U.S. you have midwives, they are probably there in the rural area. But I was proved wrong. Even in big hospitals, they have midwives. Similarly, this whole concept of nursing practitioners. These are the nurses who have got a license to practice as a primary care physician. So they call themselves as NP or nurse practitioner. They kind of take over the role of primary care physician. They end up being uh, the liaison of, between the patient and the specialist. Some of these nursing practitioners and these midwives who are currently one of the main healthcare providers in U.S. system, it kind of brings the point that why we need these mid-level providers. And one of the reasons is because they are adding value to patient's experience, which physicians or doctors or specialists are not able to add. And I'm not saying that they are, they are smarter than doctors or doctors are smarter than them. No, it's not a comparison statistics. It's about how much effort and energy and whatnot a patient spends to go and see a doctor and what kind of value he gets out of it versus what he needs to do to see a nursing practitioner or a midwife 
and what kind of value he gets out of that experience. So if he doesn't have to do, if he doesn't have to wait to see a nurse practitioner, a nurse practitioner is willing to spend half an hour with that patient for a routine cough as compared to waiting for two hours for a physician who also does a good job. I'm not saying that either of the two is doing a good job or a bad job. For a patient, the perception of value is far more when he or she goes and visits a nursing practitioner or a midwife for that particular aspect. Now, of course, that can't be scaled to everything, but certainly it has got its role. And it does give us this feedback, us as a physicians or specialists, it gives us the feedback that we should be constantly working on making sure that we add value to our patient's experience. Uh, if nobody has any thoughts, may I ask uh, Dr. Somaraju from here on, from 8.22, if you could uh, take the rest of the time and uh, share your thoughts about this and uh, some kind of guidance in terms of how we should uh, uh, incorporate this in our uh, daily practice. Dr. Somaraju, sir. Thank you, Anup, and uh, uh, I must uh, tell you, and uh, some of you said something, uh, certain things good about me. I hope uh, I deserve all that, and then uh, it's an unending game, and uh, the challenges are enormous, and uh, I'll leave it at that. And while saying this, uh, today's, uh, say, impatient, uh, care in tertiary care medicine uh, or patient care cannot be done in isolation as a single clinician. It has to be a teamwork. The team involves not only just uh, doctors uh, or a senior clinician, one of us, but uh, uh, another colleague of yours or more by they rotate and also a student who is training in the specialty you are uh, training them. Because more and more care is moving towards outpatient area than inpatient now. So the students should be trained right from the beginning of their careers. So I used to insist upon a DNB student spending time with the senior clinicians by rotation. And uh, uh, then uh, when you say the team, not only doctors but also uh, nurse clinicians and physician assistants nutritionist, psychologist, and uh, one of the nurses by rotation, somebody was talking about the problems of INR and all that. One of the nurses is always in charge of some of the areas. And uh, to the extent that over a period of years, I started this idea of teamwork in the outpatient area, uh, making sure that many of my patients are also seen apart from me one of my colleagues, uh, it may be junior, but over a period of time, many of my patients feel comfortable uh, uh, going to them and talking to them and following uh, with them. And I lose some a lot of patients to my uh, colleagues over a period of years. But uh, that's what uh, medicine is about. They are not, uh, so, so in other words, you can't take care of everybody over a period of years. And uh, the teamwork uh, helps us, and uh, uh, and also train your students. Many of you are senior enough people, and then while you run your outpatient, uh, request uh, your uh, junior colleague, uh, either a consultant, junior consultant, or a 
DMB student or DM student, be part of the outpatient you run. They must watch you, how you perform, and they will learn slowly. And that's how we can improve upon all these things. And none of us can do this alone. It requires teamwork. And some of you watched me uh, doing what I was doing at care. And we never refuse a patient because this patient cannot afford protein charges. We, are, we had two varieties of charges in the outpatient, uh, routine outpatient and general outpatient. No patient is refused just because they couldn't pay. And uh, uh, same thing applies to many other areas you do. And uh, because uh, I think I should not be taking away a lot of your time, uh, I, I, I must insist uh, the importance of working as team. Team involves not just doctors and nurses and all, all the people involved in it. And also uh, training the juniors and uh, making it affordable to people. When you say value, value is uh, the quality you give versus the cost. And uh, the care we give should keep all this in mind. And uh, in the large number of patients you see, for a hospital, whether it's a corporate or something else or something else, uh, in numbers, we can still make it, uh, say, cost-effective to the organization and uh, people around, and uh, everybody will be benefited by all this. And if anyone has any specific questions, I will answer it. Particularly important is train your juniors in such a way that they will carry this forward. Sir, at the face of it, I have two questions directly for you. Number one is, and I'll, I'll put both the questions and you can answer uh, one by one. So one is, when we talk about uh, the cost versus value, the, by, by cost we not necessarily, and I'm sure you know this, I'm just, I'm just saying it aloud so that everybody listens to my part, uh, cost not only includes the money that the person is paying, but like for, for a person like me, or let's say a businessman who comes, for that person, spending two hours in the hospital is costlier than spending 2,000 rupees for 30 minutes. So for him, cost is time. There may be somebody else, for him, the cost is convenience. He doesn't want to come at 2 p.m., he wants to come at 7 p.m. So when we talk about cost versus uh, uh, value, we have to look at all of these aspects. So I'm just, I'm just giving a contrary statement to myself that if I put a dietitian, if I put a psychologist, if I put all of this, and I want my patients to see them so that, you know, they can express their thought process and they can, they can educate them and all this. A patient may think that I'm spending one hour or one and a half hour or whatnot because practically there won't be a walk-in in all of these rooms. The patient will probably be waiting between the two rooms to go and talk to somebody. So for a patient's perception that why am I spending one hour or two hours for a five-minute doctor's face time, so that is one so-called cost-to-value, which I often struggle to figure out how to, how to make it compatible. That is one. And second, while educating students is very important for us, and I think as a general it will help the healthcare. There is no doubt about it. But when we look from the patient standpoint, for most of your patients, do you think they perceive this as a value addition where they go and see a junior staff member of yours first and then come and see you? 
do you think many of the times they, uh, they they perceive it as a value addition or they perceive it as an extra burden which is a mandatory thing for them to be able to see you it's like it's like a price they have to pay to come and see you what do what do your patients typically perceive in that so those are the two questions that i have for you and then and then we'll ask the attendees if they have any questions sir no uh, uh, i'll answer your second question first when we started this idea at uh, the nijam institute in 1985 people started wondering why this uh, uh, is this american method they, they used to call it and uh, some of my colleagues uh, also didn't uh, 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 agree with uh, that more than one of us seeing a patient and then over a period of, even some of the patients were not too ready also but were, uh, they were not even willing to see the nutritionist we used to have nutritionist at that time uh, uh, 1985 and uh, some of my colleagues also didn't believe it and the patients also wanted to hear everything from the senior most clinician including the diet but over a period of years we insisted upon it and then we uh, whoever uh, didn't want to go through that we uh, complied with them and uh, made it possible for them to eat differently but over a period of years and uh, all of them were benefited because more than one of us seeing a patient is uh, there is a safety involved in it and uh, not every patient you make the diagnosis right your colleague going through and you going through uh, some of the difficult issues will be brought out and uh, from 85 to now the patient care issues are more complex and comorbidities are enormous diagnostic issues and therapeutic issues are more complicated more than one of us seeing a patient was a great help and you and anup helped me sometimes in the outpatient that was a great help to not only to me but uh, to lot of patients i would have missed some of the diagnosis today kishor uh, uh, dr kishor who helped me all along was there in the last 22 years or uh, nearly 25 years and uh, he is one of the very good clinicians and uh, Uh, he sometimes points out some some of the things I miss, and uh, some of the nurses who worked with me as part of the team were with me for the more than 15 years or more, and they do point out certain things that uh, both Kishore and me miss. That's the way it works. And uh, what was your first question? You said, sir. The first question was about the variety of costs. that patients pay both in terms of time both in terms of convenience and money whatever and how do we yeah. I, i can tell you uh, we used to have three types of uh, patient charges in the care when we were together uh, one is a general outpatient where the patient pays the least a routine outpatient uh, as all of us know and also walk in and a special category of patients they pay highest not only for the consultation but also for the investigations they choose their own time they choose uh, their clinicians they want to spend a particular time uh, amount only and then they want to be uh, seen only by somebody they are given all that but they are charged the highest and then this is the way this cross uh, subsidy uh, helps in the society we live in and uh, we uh, we try to implement it 
they used to call even a uh, patient who had multiple problems and uh, we used to call it simple compound and complex consultations the patient doesn't go to all the doctors all around the doctors uh, see the patient in one room and they sit together and talk uh, first amongst themselves and then uh, they talk to the patient and family together uh, that was the higher level of consultations uh, that model uh somehow has to be continued but uh, hopefully it is continuing sir do you know of any corporate hospital which is doing this outpatient complex patient visit kind of model where more than one specialist come in one room and talk to the patient uh, we, do you know we used to do that in uh, care when we were together but um, uh, i must also confess some of the consultant uh, when they were approached to be to make a part of the team they are willing the problems are not with the patient and community the problems are with the profession also be aware of it thank you so much sir and i think that uh, we are certainly heading towards uh, end of our time is there any other discussion any other discussion points that we have missed any questions that anybody has i'll be more than happy uh, to um, to address anybody has got any other questions yes uh, one uh, huh. yeah. sorry who's there please unmute yourself whoever wants to speak sir uh, doctor uh, anup i just uh, had one okay sorry yeah let us uh, let, let us go with let us go with mr vijay first then we will go with rahul okay vijay please sure uh, sir just i had just one comment it was a very very good discussion uh, just one comment that uh, from patient perspective if we call the other you know uh, the additional doctors uh, that might see the patient if we call them juniors Uh, then it might not inspire uh, the patient confidence so rather than juniors if we call them you know consultant or maybe critical team members or working with uh, the senior doctors i think that positioning is important that's all sir no absolutely i think that is very very relevant and while we discussed amongst ourselves with a first name and what not it is a dictum that whenever we uh talk amongst us in front of patient we always use doctor as a prefix and we always use colleagues rather than anything else so be it my dnb student be it my junior consultant and uh, i must appreciate that uh, people as senior as somaraju sir himself but i can i can name pretty much every senior colleague whom i have worked with uh, at care they have all introduced me as one of the junior most consultant in care to their patients as colleagues and i think this is a i i take pride that most of the cardiology colleagues whom i have worked with at least they do this they they never talk in front of the patient as a junior or student or what not we are all colleagues because we all add value in our own way definitely point well taken okay rahul please unmute yourself and good evening anup good evening bsr sir uh i just want a point across uh, when sir discussed we used to discuss what sir used to call it like a complex model discussing uh, getting into one uh, sir chairman's room 
and discussing the uh, whatever it can be a case of a uh, catheter directed fibrinolysis versus a systemic thrombolysis for a patient i just remembered that case where all across the interventional radiologist everyone was called into the room and we discussed the case the same thing is being implied in the op basis what i would like to emphasize is it uh, can we add value to a patient who could be a very good academic model to us in that way can we give him some academic kind of system where we can add value to him and use him as academic thing for our junior colleagues or uh, the institute so uh, rahul think? yeah rahul one com uh, answer to your first comment and then question for your second so uh the model that you described that was the clinicians meet which i think is a, is in a standard term it's called multidisciplinary meet and doing multidisciplinary meet in an inpatient setup is very much doable having said that we still don't do it so kudos to people who do it but in the inpatient setup multidisciplinary meetings are possible the challenge comes as an outpatient when these patients come to your opd for for long i am trying to get a valve clinic set up where all i need is a cardiologist and a cardiac surgeon sitting in the same room i am not able to do so let alone a multidisciplinary meeting with more than two consultants coming in the same room so in our current challenging model like what uh, oncology has tumor board meeting and what not it is very difficult in an outpatient setting to do it now difficulty does not mean that's an explanation for us not to do it and that is where we talk in these kind of groups to see how we can make these things happen taking everybody's interest into account we can't just we can't just impose things on and as far as your uh, second thing is concerned about patients uh, being an academic model now i can certainly see how it adds value to doctors i don't know how it will add value to the patient and that is something maybe somebody can educate me like how will it add value to patient other than patient feeling getting a sense of altruism that he is helping somebody i don't know how it will add value to the patient per se and here Because, we are talking about adding value to patient huh? yeah for your question uh, huh. sorry to interrupt you huh. adding value to the patient uh, huh. in the past i used to get a few of the thyroid suppose there is a doubt of a myxedema coma Okay. i'm just trying to extrapolate to inpatient to outpatient so right. such investigations which were like uh, part of academic model having discussed with the uh, biochemist or uh, other scientist madam and someone they would mm. do us uh, investigations in academic way i mean not chargeable yes. and all exactly that, okay that is, yeah okay. so somewhere i'm trying to extrapolate it i would like right. somraju sir to do it because i i saw him doing it many times right yeah so we are talking yeah. about they're talking about monetary incentive to a patient so that the patient participate in our academic discussion so it's kind of win win for both of us i think if we can have a monetary setup something like this and patient should perceive that as a value like if 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 patient for patient money is not a problem and if it is a good academic case he or she may not uh, take your uh, free lab assessment versus a lot of our patients they do value money and for them it is going to be a good incentive so certainly in that model where it's a financial incentive to the patient it certainly can add value to them okay uh, it's 8:40 any other comments or questions anybody has before we close the session okay pranit your closing comments on today's 
kind of off the beat discussion and then we will be done after that yeah so uh, i should appreciate that uh, we could uh, discuss uh, this off beat uh, discussion thank you for getting this topic definitely uh, worth putting a thought uh, where at least if we can think uh, in our day to day busy practice when we are just going uh, in a routine flow if you can kind of pause and think that how can i add value to the patient who is traveling how can i do this thing if you can get a thought in between that itself is a value i should say and from there on anything that we add will be worth it and uh, everything starts with a single step so i think uh, if with this discussion if we can get this thought process in our routine practice i think uh, that itself was a success i should say and we should strive forward in uh, trying to see how can we add value in every aspect writing from the prescription to investigations to what not and i think it's a definitely uh, a good thought provoking uh, session that we had perfect thank you and i my special thanks to uh, dr shankar and dr somaraju for sharing their thoughts a uh, lot of these comes with experience and certainly as we go towards what pranith said unless we think and work on it it won't come it won't come automatic to us so thank you all for participating and thank you for your questions and comments we'll see you again next week and uh, i believe next week is and i have to i have to say it again if the next week is in march then we will still do it on 7:30 pm we'll start at 7:30 pm and next week comes on in april we will start the session at 7 pm i will send you the the invitation it will have the time march is 31st okay so 31st 31st we will do 730 we'll start april we'll start 7 pm onwards so next huddle we will start at 730 following that we will start at 7 pm onwards so thank you all for participating some of the huddle uh, episodes are there on youtube and podcast they are not up to date but hopefully they will be at some point if i find time so uh, please you can check on there as well thank you all and if you have any other thoughts please share with me offline as well Thank you good night good night guys thank you for joining good night